0: Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to defuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. I'm John Polstrap,
1: and I'm Greg Monteith.
0: What's going on at Sunday School Central? <laughs> I hear. I don't know any details. <laughs> Except, well, actually, I'm still laughing from, I don't know if it was in the episode or elsewhere, but I think you called it, The Holy Spirit Reads the Bible For Me.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, that was the last one or something like that. And uh, that might make a good episode title. But uh, what what's going on over there? What are the latest developments?
1: Well, you know, what's interesting to me is is when you, when at least for me, but I think it's probably more general than that. I think it's when you don't have a mindset. It's like this mindset is foreign to you. It doesn't make sense to you. It's not yours. It's not. You don't swim in these circles that you can often be very, very surprised, like ongoingly surprised by some of the um, ways that people with that particular mindset that you don't share will respond to something that you might say. So in this case, I don't share this, this uh, I would say hyper, not just heightened, but almost a hyper degree of trust in in the Bible and in certain, particularly in certain ways that that folks are reading the Bible. So we the, the the big theme and kind of where we can't go beyond right now with this church group, right? So again, I'm I'm dealing with a church group, I'm working with a church group, trying to work with and move into questions about how do we read the Bible, how do we Integrate faith in life, basically, and I'm 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 stopped at the front door because the front door before like I I raised some some questions and I said you know we had this idea in our first class that God is uh, in control of everything all the time God's will is always being done and yet in the real world you see things like Rwanda you see the Holocaust and in the Bible you know for example the Lord's prayer or better the disciples prayer as it could be called. We are told to pray that the kingdom come. We're told to pray that God's will be done. And on earth as it is in heaven. And um, so in order for, as people have been responding to this, and they've been basically saying a whole bunch of things like, no, that's not a problem. God, God, God works with evil sometimes. Uh, that, that's okay. Uh, God's will is really being done because God works with evil. Or they might say things like, you know, um, I don't know, human beings have a degree of responsibility, although this has often been said stated a little too far. Like human beings are fully responsible for everything that happens. Or maybe Satan's responsible. And now we've been dealing like as I tried to sort of on the one hand present this contradiction, which seems to me to be a contradiction, at least the way it's stated. And then listening to their objections, that no, this really isn't a contradiction. Here's why, and now I'm trying to reply to their objections. And the first thing that I've done, the door, the stopped at the door comment, is I prefaced everything by reading this quotation from J.I. Packer. Now I don't, I don't, I find some things in this quotation to disagree with, but my my strategy in picking Packer was this is a name they're going to know. Everybody in that room will know the name. J.I. Packer, and everybody in that room will probably odds on say J.I. Packer is a guy that can be trusted.
0: And he's associated with your alma
1: mater, isn't he? He is. He <laughs> stopped teaching many years ago at Regent, but he he continues. When I was there, he still had an office. Wow. Um, I shouldn't say he stopped teaching. He, he He's emeritus. He was emeritus when I was there and he, he was still teaching. So he wasn't considered an active prof in the same way that other younger people were. I mean, he was in his 70s, which I guess gave him the right to, I don't know, have a very limited class schedule or something about that. But he was still there, yeah. So I figured, okay, they're going to know this guy, and I'll read the quotation. Uh, the quotation comes from a book called Donald, by Donald J. Payne called J.I. Packer's Theological Model so part of this is a quotation of Packer, and part of it is Payne talking about Packer. But I think it's all quite—these are Packer's ideas, whether in Packer's own voice or in the voice of this, this author, this commentator. And what's the, what's the purpose of Paine's book? Um, I think Payne is just kind of trying to lay out how Packer does theology. Right. What's his what's his method? What's his orientation towards theology? And in this particular case, he was talking about exactly what the issue was for for me that I was, you know, sort of speak at the door at with these folks. The intro issue was, what's the Holy Spirit's role in terms of how you read the Bible? Um, how much responsibility does the Holy Spirit have and what type of responsibility is that? And how much responsibility do you have and what areas does that cover? So this, this, again, directly addresses that. And I had used this as an intro to begin putting forward the idea. Well, I'll, I'll read the quotation, and the idea, I hope, will become obvious. So this is the quotation. The first task is always to get into the writer's mind, the grammatico-historical exegesis of the most... The first task is always to get into the writer's mind using the historical grammatic exegesis of the most thoroughgoing and disciplined kind, using all the tools provided by linguistic, historical, logical, and semantic study for the purpose. And then this is the author, Donald Payne. Yet he, Packer, differentiates between the approaches needed for the interpreter to discern what the text meant and what it means. The latter requires the Holy Spirit's enlightenment. So essentially, Packer's saying, if you want to understand what something meant, you have to approach it as a field of study. And you have to use linguistic, historical, logical, and semantic approaches because it's it's about language use. It's about historical sort of significance and cultural relevance. You're using your logic as you're kind of working this through. And then there's the whole question of meaning and how you're dealing with that. That's the semantic piece. And what the author is saying is that for Packer, that first part is is an exercise of the human mind and is not something where God is downloading stuff into your head. Okay. The second part, so understanding what it means now, which we might also call application, understanding its application requires the Holy Spirit's enlightenment. Now, I have some reservations about Packer's perspective but I didn't raise any of those because um I'm happy enough to go ahead with it because in broad strokes I agree you know um the idea that
0: he's an acceptable source to to most of the people there
1: yeah and he's acceptable enough to me like I I think that Packer although I have some uh a number of points of disagreement with Packer I, I don't think that Packer in any sense is not uh scholarly or he's not approaching the text carefully, or he's somebody who does slipshod work and, you know, I should be kind of, he's, he's, he's not trying to get away with stuff, I don't think. So I figured he was a good middle ground between me and my audience. You started with the, you read this quote, this was kind of the kickoff of yesterday's discussion. This was the, the kickoff from, from last week's discussion. And then this week's, yesterday's discussion, that's as far as we got, We could got, so in other words, I've done two weeks of pretty much the same thing. Um, Two weeks ago, I presented this and I said to the folks, listen, I mean, I think you can think about this whole thing on the metaphor of the body, that Christians, the church is a body. Christianity uh, is composed of uh, many different uh, individuals who play different roles along the metaphor of a body. And what I said to them initially was, to think that you can just read the Bible without any help from the rest of the body is to think that you can go it alone. And even though we are told to rely on the body and that we must be interreliant within each other, like within the 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 the, the Christian family, if you like, somehow when it comes to Bible reading that doesn't apply. And I shook my head and said, I don't think so. And then I went on last week and we looked at a passage, one of the passages they had raised by way of objection, which was Romans 8:28. This week I thought, oh. And this is where that initial comment of when you when somebody has a very different mindset from you, it's very hard. You can often be surprised. You can't guess where they're going to go. So this week I thought, okay, last week we touched on the Holy Spirit thing and we got to Romans 8:28. And this week I had two or three other sections that I thought, I think we can get to these today. We'll see. Maybe we only do one, whatever. And I got there and it was like the door was closed. I was like, hey, the door was open last week. We opened it with the conversation on the Holy Spirit and then we walked in and we did Romans 8, 28. I thought we we're going to walk further through the room. What
0: do you mean the door that? was
1: closed? Well, the door was closed in the sense that I'm using this metaphor, I guess, of beginning this conversation with these folks, like opening the door, going into the room. Walking around the room, and that might be like the whole idea of going through the door is, well, what are some of our ground rules? Some of our ground rules are, we need to have a pretty clear understanding of what the Holy Spirit does and doesn't do. Because if the Holy Spirit is giving anybody and everybody who's a Christian the right interpretation of a passage, then you don't need to listen to me at all. Now, the four reverse works too. I don't need to listen to you, Right. But this is what was happening. People were raising ideas and they're raising biblical passages, but their passages, either the interpretation they were giving to them was um, not accurate, not a good interpretation or the application they were, they were sort of applying verses that didn't apply. So how do we, how do we push back against that? How do we say, Hey, I'm not too sure that you've interpreted that well. I'm not too sure that you're applying that correctly. Well, first of all, we need to dispel some of these false notions.
0: I think I got lost in the metaphor. <laughs> okay,
1: so basically, <laughs> come back in to plain me. words, what happened this week last week? <laughs> in plain words, well, two weeks ago, we covered a bunch of ground. Okay, you covered we covered a bunch two, of ground. two steps, okay. and I got there this time. And all of a sudden, it was like I hadn't covered a thing.
0: So they'd had a week to think about stuff, and. and- They had objections, or they're like, wait a minute, or they wanted to start at the beginning again.
1: They completely rejected the idea that the Holy Spirit does not allow them to understand the Bible well enough for that to be all that they need. So they had a week to think about it. And whatever J.I. Packer said didn't matter, beans. Whatever I said about the body didn't matter, beans. And they were where they were, which is we can read the Bible. And what we get out of it is what God needs us to get out of it, because the Holy Spirit's helping us, and that's all there is to it.
0: And what is that based on? Well, I think that's an excellent question, John. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just a simple caveman here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and they raised a couple of things, and this, this was the interesting piece. I mean, this is, I think, where we're going with this whole discussion, because... Um, there are a number, so it's not as though the whole room is composed of these folks who are totally opposed to this idea that, you know what, it's really, you are using your brain and you're developing skills. If you're going to read the Bible, right? The Holy Spirit, can the Holy Spirit give you some, some help there? Yes. But is there a download that goes into your brain in any form? No. So there's a couple, there's a couple folks in the room that are, that are, they're kind of good with that, but they're the silent minority. And so I'm in in the room and the silent minority have spoken to me afterwards and said, you know, this is really frustrating. We're having a very hard time with this. We are just barely hanging on here. Um, you have this very vocal majority and they're not making sense. Um, not only are they not making sense, but all of a sudden, you know, they are, it's their way or sort of the highway. Oh, uh, interesting. The, the, well, because the, if they're right, then that makes everybody else wrong right or it just it makes it so that if they're right and everybody else is right and you happen to have differences of opinion then those differences don't matter so the bible can be if you like contradictory or incoherent and those folks also have a problem with that but i think what i'm seeing here is is as we go along and as I asked them, so one of the, one of the people came back to me and she said, you know, I thought about what you said last week and i I had took some time and I read through my Bible and it was really good because I had a chance to read through my Bible. And this is before she laid out her, her perspective. I wasn't sure where she was going. And then she proceeded to give me some Bible verses and to, um, state that she did not agree with what I was saying and that it wasn't accurate. And that these verses showed that. But I guess what, as I'm, as I'm listening to the verses and I'm hearing the complaints of the people in the room, what I'm seeing is the more rope you give somebody, the more they might either make a very interesting macrame thing with it that might ultimately be helpful or pretty, or I don't know, a basket out of rope, or they might make a noose, (laughs) And right now, I mean, I'll let you decide. I'll tell you what the verses were and I'll tell you how it went. And you can tell me what you think happened with this extra little bit of rope. Isn't this Verse. how churches split? Well, I don't,
0: I mean, I'm saying that in very broad terms, but isn't this, I mean, how we've gotten all these different denominations and all these different ways of looking at things?
1: Well, I suppose so, yeah. You could have a group of people, but but I mean, I guess what I would say is, I think this is how churches start splitting. So I think fragmentation occurs like this. I don't think, in other words, if I was to take that vocal majority, my hunch, totally my hunch. This is a fictional kind of exercise. But my hunch is if we were to take that fictional majority, we were to have them have their own space and they would say, listen, we're fed up with being told that the Holy Spirit doesn't tell us what the Bible means. And that our interpretations, I don't even think they would use those words, our understanding of the meaning is not correct just because we're Christians. Like that's all it takes for our meaning to be correct is we're Christians and we read the Bible and we pray and we ask the Holy spirit to help us. And what we get is the right meaning.
0: So wait, wait are you saying that you don't think that there's any forming in forming by the Holy spirit
1: in terms of the original meaning? Yeah. I think that the way that that happens in terms of a download, no, no zero download. There's zero download that goes on. The Holy Spirit is not zapping my brain with stuff.
0: And that would look like I, John, open to a particular passage, I read it, and as I'm reading it, I'm, and I'm forming conclusions and having new ideas, all of those ideas are divinely inspired and, and put there by God without doing yeah. any work at all. I just read, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, whoa. Wow, when John wrote this in the Gospels, it meant this. And when Isaiah wrote this, it meant exactly this. Having done no work, having done no work at all, I would just know.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I would even go so far as to say that they're not saying— they might, they might even say, hey, we're not saying we've got the exact, full, best possible meaning, but we've got a meaning that's good enough and full enough that we don't need anything more. That is definitely not wrong. Oh, it's definitely—no. No, no, no. There's no room for wrong. No. Wow. No, no, no. And this is the interesting That's a great part. This system. is what we're getting
0: to. What's that? That's a great setup.
1: Well, this is the problem, and I don't think they see it, and they're walking right into it. And this is where I want you to—I'd I'd love to hear what you think about this. Okay. So we're there. She, this person tells me that, you know, she does not agree, and that these Bible verses show this. And I'm going to give you the Bible verses that she gave me. She began with a verse— We had already done a couple of verses that I had replied to, you know, like God gives wisdom to Anyone who asks James one, one to eight, let's say, but really five to eight is kind of the core of it. And it offered some, some response there. She then offered, and again, this this is a whole bunch of people. It's not just one person who's reading the Bible, but the implication too is, well, we're all Christians here. You folks say you're all Christians. And so, shouldn't the Holy Spirit not only help you read the Bible correctly, which is what you're telling me, but if you're in the presence of someone giving you an incorrect reading and you're reading it yourself, wouldn't, wouldn't the Holy Spirit be indicating to the other folks, hey, you know what, this is a wrong reading.
0: In other words, the Holy Spirit should be giving you, Greg, the same answer.
1: Yes, or saying, hey, whoa, 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 b- alarm bell ringing, wrong answer given. Because if the Holy Spirit is ongoingly working with me as a Christian, then A, according to this um, understanding— I'm going to get the right or a right enough understanding. And B, if I'm in the presence, if I'm reading along in the Bible and somebody else is saying, this verse here means this and I'm there and I'm reading it, well, surely the Holy Spirit's going to help me understand and go, oh, hold on, Greg, that person over there, that Larry guy, he's got it wrong. You should Hmm. pipe up and say something because you know what? God's truth is important. So what happens? Well, we're sitting there. She begins to read off Bible verses. She begins, uh, and I'll just do two of them that she did. Uh, the first one that she did was out of Proverbs. Proverbs uh, 37 No, pardon me, it was Job. Job.: The book Yes. Yeah, I know. Well, now what's
0: fascinating is I'm listening to some, this other podcast right now. It's called "The Bible Project." OK? And it's all about the wisdom literature. All right. And uh, I'll put a link to it in the notes. But it's it's kind of an interesting thing. And they're walking through what the wisdom literature is. And then they're doing two or three podcasts on each book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. It's really interesting.
1: Oh. Well, she, she cited me out of Job. And she read Job 32, verses, I think, 7 through 10. And I'll read them to you. It says, I said... Let days speak and many years teach wisdom, but truly it is the spirit in a mortal, the breath of the Almighty that makes for understanding. It is not the old that are wise, nor the aged that understand what is right. Therefore, listen to me. Let me also declare my opinion. And what she didn't read was verse 6, the verse right before that. And it begins like this. Elihu, son of Baruchel the Buzite, answered, I am young in years and you are aged. Therefore, I was timid and afraid to declare my opinion to you. And as somebody noted, didn't, when God addressed Job, didn't, and this is, this comes from the fourth person who was there, the three friends with Job, and then when fourth person approaches them later. And God chastises all four of them for being wrong. Hmm.
0: So in other words. Well, that's, yeah, that's a classic proof text move, right? You just take a, you take some verses that. Seem to support what you think the right answer is and use it as support. Ah, but this is not proof texting. This is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led this person to this passage to
1: give it to you? Absolutely. Oh. she. the Holy Spirit led the person to the passage to tell me, and the people in the room agreed, those, these spirit-filled people in the room agreed, and yet this person has misused the passage. You know, the the God literally undercuts all four of these people at the end of the book and says, you know, you guys don't know anything. If anything, Job knows something. And here's what you don't know, Job, by the way. So what happens there?
0: Yeah, but at what level? I don't know if I agree with you. What was the reference
1: again? It's Job 32. And I would say start at verse six and read through 10.
0: Yeah, so this is just one person making an assertion. Who? Elihu. Right?
1: But it's, it's in the Bible, so it's got to be right. I know. Sh- no,
0: I'm reading from a... I just grabbed something random off the shelf, which is a, the New Living Translation. Some people will oh, find right. that not literal enough. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but it says, yeah, this translation says, Elihu, son of Barachal the Buzite, said, I am young and you are old, so I held back and did not dare to tell you what I think. I thought, quote... Those who are older should speak, for wisdom comes with age. Surely it is God's spirit within people, the breath of the Almighty within them, that makes them intelligent. But sometimes the elders are not so wise, are not wise. Sometimes the age do not understand justice. So listen to me. Let me express my opinion. So Elihu is giving his opinion. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's biblical truth because it came from the Bible.
1: But it's not just biblical truth. It's spirit-led instruction. Okay. <laughs> to tell me why I'm wrong. Okay. And then everybody else who is spirit filled in that room has the same conclusion. Comes to the same conclusion, and they're all wrong. They've all misused this. They've all taken this for something okay. that it's not.
0: So give me one more example.
1: Well, the the, <laughs> the other example is is I have to say incredibly damning, but uh, sorry for the mixed metaphor there. <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you where this comes from, and I'm just going to start reading this to you. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by his eye by what his eyes sees or decide what his ears hears, but with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide the equity and side with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and shall breathe from his lips, and the breath from his lips shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt round his waist, and faithfulness the belt round his loins. Now she may have only read the first two verses I read, so I'll read those again. I'm not sure if she read all three, all four. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him: the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Does this sound familiar to you at all? Kinda. Okay, let me read the first verse and tell me. If, let me I'll start. At the, at the beginning rather than where she started. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord.
0: Somewhere in the Old Testament? You got it. This is this talking about Solomon? Not quite. A little or
1: David? Not, a little more important. Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> so she reads this thing and, and I'm sitting it's a there it's prophecy thinking, well she's reading it about herself and she's reading it about all the people in the room oh this is a reason why what you're saying Greg doesn't work because the spirit of the Lord shall rest on this type of person like, like me the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and I'm sitting there thinking I can't say this. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sit here and be quiet. And about three or four seconds later, somebody said, isn't that text about Jesus? Wow. Isn't that about the Messiah? But it wasn't, it wasn't one of those people.
0: No, those that makes it even better. People. What's that? No, it makes, I'm glad that you didn't say anything. Just kind of let it sit out there.
1: Well, you know, I, I, I think we could go on and on. Right? We could just keep doing this week after week, but I think ultimately it's just going to become more and more embarrassing. Because.
0: But when, know, but when. So when this other person raises that, wait a minute, this is about Jesus, what, what's the reaction to that? Oh, yeah, no, maybe this not? one doesn't apply. Oh, come on.
1: Oh. I'm, no, it's, it's crazy. It's, it really is it's kind crazy. Of, it feels slippery. It's like, wait,
0: here, let me use a verse to prove a point to you. Oh, wait, well, that, that was, doesn't want to apply. Okay, let me use another one. So then what's the criteria for deciding?
1: Well, I don't think there is any criteria for deciding. The decision's already been made. I'm just threatening them, you know? And so I think next week what we're going to come to is, you know, let's test drive this thing. I'll give you three passages. You are all spirit-filled people, so you don't need any prep. The Spirit's there. I'm just going to give you passages. And just on a piece of paper, just write out what they mean. Just take, I don't know, three or four lines if you need to. Take Take eight if you want to. (laughs) Oh, it's like a hidden ballot and then you're going to read the answers? Well, I'm going to read their answers and see if they all align, number one. And then I'm going to tell them my answer. And I'm going to ask them which seems more convincing. And how it is that I would think theirs matters. Like theirs actually has value versus, you know, I'm going to come in with a bunch of documents. I'm going to come in with some articles. And I'm going to ask people to test drive these things. But we're also then going to go through this whole process that I just went through with you of, so you chose Job. The Spirit led you to chose Job, but you were wrong. Oh, no, the Spirit was wrong. Sorry. The Spirit was wrong. And all you How other can folks, the Spirit be wrong? The Spirit's oh, never well, wrong. I don't know. This is good. I don't know, but you know, the, other, the other piece is, and this was a, this was a child, admittedly, but, but a Christian child. So obviously the same thing applies, right? If you could read the Bible as an adult correctly because you've got the Spirit, then if you're a Christian child, surely you can do the same thing. So this Christian child says to me, well, it says in the Gospels, we're supposed to approach Jesus like a child. So that means we're not supposed to overthink things and take this kind of academic approach that you're taking. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, I pick up and read, uh, not, not in the same discussion period, but in, in the homework, I pick up and read 1 Corinthians 14 and this whole thing that I read you last week, right? Nevertheless, in church, I would not speak five words with my mind. I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. That's verse 19. And verse 20 reads, Brothers and sisters, do not be children in your thinking. Rather be infants in evil, but in thinking, be adults. So the Spirit led this Christian child to say something completely contradictory. I mean, I'm not exactly sure.
0: Well, they got some of the facts wrong. Or they got some of the, like, which party is which.
1: Help me out on that one.
0: Well, they mixed up the—or they missed the nuance of be children in this context, but not
1: in this other one. Yeah, but they drew a conclusion. Yeah, no, right. And they drew the conclusion that we're not supposed to be exactly what Paul is saying we are supposed to be. So I'm not sure how that's—like, that's just dead wrong as far as I can see. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, but again—
0: What I keep wondering in all this, though, is—and maybe this comes in a future lesson, but what about— Like taking a big step backwards. I mean, keep going where you're going, but at some point, what about like a whole series of discussions on how to read the Bible?
1: Well, we could do that, but I don't know that we could do it if we don't get past this point. Because if, so for instance, I was there and there was a- I mean, back
0: way, way up. Like take a book and be like, okay, so we're going to read this book of the Bible. We're going to go through like a really short book.
1: But John, why bother? They've already got all the answers. Why the heck do they want to come and read a book of the Bible with me when they know that they've got all the answers? I mean, we're in too deep now. They're going to say, oh, that, that Greg guy, he's going to say that we have to actually think about this, that the Holy Spirit isn't just downloading something into my head. i continue. I interrupted you. No, it's, it's okay. If you can see a way around that problem, I can't. Yeah. So, you know, let me know. But no, I th- I think we're at the point where, this is becoming the very clear object lesson for the whole focus, which is self-deceit. You know, this isn't just people who are, I don't think the mistakes are honest anymore. You know, and, and I'm like that too. I make dishonest mistakes. A dishonest mistake meaning? Well, I think an honest mistake would be for somebody to say, um, to raise any one of these points and then say, Oh, I didn't really give this a lot of thought. Oh, okay. But even when I say that, I recognize you're talking about, we have to think. And I guess I am thinking when I'm doing this. So this is really uncomfortable and I'm just gonna have to sit here for this for a while. Or, you know, maybe I can't be here right now. I'll take away these ideas and I'll just whatever. And I think that's, that's honest, right? To say, Oh, you're right. I totally gaffed that. And Because I gaffed it, it's showing me that what you're saying is right. You know, let alone the the other piece I'm going to raise is, well, some other folks in the room stopped this person when she was speaking about the text about the Messiah was in Isaiah 11. And they said, isn't that about Jesus, about the Messiah? And my question for them is, how did you know that? There's nothing in the text that refers to the Messiah. Nothing before, nothing after. What, what told you that this was about the Messiah? Well, my pastor, I heard this from church. Oh, where do you think your pastor heard that? Well, I don't know. I guess he, maybe he studied that. Maybe he studied that in seminary. Where do you think those folks in seminary learned that? Well, they probably learned it from the very folks that I'm trying to tell you you should be reliant on. Mm. And you've just gone ahead and done exactly the same thing that I'm telling you to do on your terms, but you're refusing to do it on mine, which is simply to engage, right? I'm not telling you my ideas are right. I'm telling you that my ideas have an equal share in the marketplace of ideas here, and I'm promoting them as better ones for certain reasons. But you're not only telling me, you know, I don't agree with you, but that your ideas have no value, right? If the Holy Spirit does it all, for which you can offer me no proof, and here I've read, you know, um... I've got a big book here that I just got. I'm pretty excited about it. It's called the Holy spirit in biblical teaching through the centuries. And today by Anthony Thistleton. And I read this section to them before we had this, before we had this conversation, because there was this whole thing on God giving us wisdom and what does this mean? And, and I read this to them and I'll read this part to you. It's about, it's coming from first um, Corinthians 12, eight to 10. And this is that the passage uh, I'll just read the, um, now there are a variety of gifts. This is from uh, verse four. There are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit and a variety of services, but the same Lord. That's verse four. And then it goes on to list a bunch of these different um, gifts. And in verse eight, I'll just highlight this. The other ones are important, but just to highlight this, because this is what it's about, in terms of my, my comment about this book, to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom and to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit so I read this whole section to them from this guy. It's not very long. And then they completely disregarded it. It meant nothing to them because it was threatening their perspective. So I guess what's coming to me, or I guess my, my, my take on the whole thing, is that the more rope I give them, the more they're getting out into the weeds and they're getting out into the weeds. They're using passages like misusing the job passage. They're contradicting themselves with say the passage about Jesus and the children versus, you know, Paul's very clear comment in first Corinthians and then applying passages about the Messiah to themselves, which, you know, if, if, if it wasn't embarrassing by then, it's certainly embarrassing at that point. And yet I don't think this is just people who are like, this is people who are, Grasping at anything to maintain a position, I don't think this has anything to do with truth anymore. And I guess that's where we're going because the whole thing about self-deception is believing something for a reason other than that it's true. So believing something because it helps me. It makes me feel safe. Uh, It promotes my own best interests. It's any number of those things.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Untangling Christianity podcast. A summary and resources for this episode are at our website, untanglingchristianity.com. If you'd like to join our private Facebook group or reach us by email, send your requests, questions, or even a simple hello to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license.